Crafty Mama Mer, a podcast for all things crafting, mom life, and Miranda. My name is Miranda, and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm here with Kimmy. Hello. Again. And today, we are going to go over how to get and stay sober. So we'll just jump right in. <laughs> I don't know. So in my last episode, I shared my journey with alcohol from age 14 to 22. And the final straw was when I got kicked out of a house I was living in for free in Minneapolis. Spoiler, if you followed me on social media, you know that I bought that house back four or five years later after getting kicked out. So I am recording from that house. Um, So we repainted every wall and made new memories in here, but that's another story. But today I'm going to continue on of how I got sober and how I stayed sober. I had woken up and I had a text message saying, you need to move out. And I called my aunt and she said, yeah, you need to quit drinking. And it was the most mortifying thing. And I moved back in with my parents and I didn't really know what to do. I, this was my first time quitting something like that. And it was weird. I didn't know how to do it. So for three weeks, I really just stayed to myself and I didn't go out and I didn't tell people I stopped drinking except for people who were close to me. And so the first group of people I told that I had quit drinking were my coworkers. Because remember, I was working for the NBA and WNBA and, you know, it's work hard, play hard. And there was alcohol at events. And so I remember the day after I quit drinking that Sunday, I called my boss and I was like, hey, um, I'm OK. Everything's OK, but I'm going to let you know I'm, I'm done drinking. And he was like, OK. And I'm sure he, I don't I don't know how you coach a manager and how to be prepared for someone to tell you. But he did what he was just like, well, what, what do you need from me? And I said, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, <laughs> like, as I just said, it's going to affect me. I'm I said, I don't know how it's going to affect me, but I just said, I want you to know I'm done drinking and I will tell the group, like the team tomorrow when we're in the office, you don't have to do it. I'll do it. But he was like, okay, well, whatever we can do, which was great. Like it wasn't, he, he didn't really tell me like, you need to do this. He just said, I am here. I will support you. So then the next Monday I go into work and how we worked, it was like this little den and they had like a farmhouse style, like sliding door that like could like lock you in there essentially. Like, I mean, you weren't locked in there, but, um, and we weren't supposed to close that unless it was calling hours or like the boss shut it. So I remember I went up to shut it and someone was like, you can't shut that door. And I said, I talked to the boss, like I'm going to close this door. And so I closed the door and there was like 17 of us in there. And I look back and this is probably the weirdest thing I've ever said at work, but I just like closed the door and I was like, So everyone, I just want to let you know, I had a really bad weekend and I'm done drinking and some shit happened and I got kicked out of the cities and I'm living at Ramsey and I'm just telling you all this because I don't want, if I'm not drinking at events, I don't want you, you know, I just, I'm letting you know I'm going to quit. And everyone was like, are you okay? Like, it just seemed like something more detrimental happened. And I just, but I, I needed to let people know, like, I was serious about this because I think what, like... When I thought in my sophomore year, like, I'm going to quit drinking, I was like, but I'm in college. No one quits drinking in college. I told them all and it was fine and everyone supported me. And like, I still had a fun time working there. And I remember one time, I think it was that same week, it was me and two other women in the bathroom and we were getting ready. And one of the girls goes, oh my gosh, I could just use a glass of wine. Couldn't you? And I looked at her and she goes, oh my God, I am so sorry. I'm like, no, you're totally fine. Like that, it didn't bother me, but people started to change how they talked about alcohol around me because I had like called this like big kumbaya, like I'm going to quit drinking moment. 
three weeks after I quit drinking, I posted on Facebook and Instagram because your girl has always loved social media. And I just said, today is week three of waking up and not having to ask anyone what happened last night. It's been three weeks, 21 days. I'm a very like sentimental. Like I'm like, this is 21 days of freedom, 21 days of not having my memory taken from me. Yeah, I remember that post. It was Uh, very like also just you're dramatic and it was just like (laughs) dramatic but it was like oh wow like she's doing this like okay and I had multiple people be like why would you post that they're like your employer can see that other people can see that and I'm like good I want them to see that I want people to know like I'm changing things like I am done drinking and I had people like say like are you sure you want to keep that up like maybe you should take that post down And I didn't because I know I'm a people pleaser. Or in Taylor Swift's song, Losing Me, she says, I wouldn't marry me either, a chronicle or pathological people pleaser. I am a pathological people pleaser. And so I just don't want to let people down. So I knew I'm going to post this for my Facebook friends and people I've met studying abroad to let them know I'm done drinking and it's going to hold me accountable. And they might think this is so much oversharing. But for me, it's how I was going to hold myself accountable because I said, I know if I post this, people aren't going to be like, you're going to drink. Because I remember when I posted that, I had multiple guy friends reach out to me like, bro, you're lying. Like, you're not done drinking. You're full of shit. Stop saying you're done drinking. Because, you know, in college, like after a bad, you know, after a bad Saturday night, Sunday, you'd be like, I'm never drinking again. But like, I wanted people to know like, no, I'm posing this for my aunties, my uncles, like my coworkers, my classmates, everyone to see, because I, it's, it's time for a change. And so for me, a really pivotal part in getting sober and staying sober was posting it. Do you need to post it across Facebook and Instagram? No, but you need to have a group of people who are going to hold you accountable for it. And not that they're checking in, but just that they know. And I think awareness was such a big thing. So right after I posted that, I had multiple people reach out to me and tell me they are sober too, which was something that I was like, then why didn't I know? Because, and not that I need to know everyone's problems. And I know I put a lot of my problems out there a little bit more, but I was like, maybe that would have helped. And so for me also putting things out there, I was like, maybe this will help someone because I don't Mm -hmm. see people do this often. I did have one guy that I used to kind of date in college reach out to me and he was sober. And he was like, would you like to come to AA with me? And again, this was like three weeks in. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And he he had told me like, I have a girlfriend like this is I but he was like, I know how we drank in college. And like, I want to know if you want to come to AA with me. So I went in the basement of some church to AA. And I very quickly realized AA was not what I needed. But going to AA really reaffirmed why I wanted to be done drinking because I sat there as people talked about like I lost my house I lost custody of my children I got a DUI like I hurt people like I have this and this and this legal offenses or you know violations and I just sat there and I was like it didn't get this far but I will never let it get this far and that was like a big moment that I was like this is not my thing But I just remember being in AA and hearing people talk about how they had lost their wife, their kids, their life, their house. And I realized I cannot let it get this far. It didn't get this far, but I will not let it get this far. I was grateful that that friend let me come to AA and extended, you know, a reach out to say, hey, come with me. 
but I realized AA was not my thing. When I moved back in with my parents, they had asked, do you need us to get rid of all the alcohol in the house? Like, is this an issue if we drink? And for me, it wasn't that it was an issue if people were drinking around me or if alcohol was around me. It was just I wanted to party and I didn't have any chill. And it was never like I was drinking alone, so I needed them to hide it from me. So I told them, no, you can keep the alcohol in the house. That's fine. I'm, I'm just not going to drink. And what happened that summer was that people really toned it down around me. And it was nice um, to go to the cabin. And like the center of being at the cabin was not to drink. And there was definitely a different tone that entire summer. I will say my friends never stopped inviting me. My close friends never stopped inviting me. But I'll talk about that more in the next episode, but it definitely did feel like I wasn't getting invited to everything anymore because we had just graduated college and this was when everyone was moving to the cities and people were living in Uptown and we were all going out and it did get lonely, but I just, I started embracing it. I'm trying to think back to like what I was doing that summer because I moved back and honestly, I think I just started like trying to date a guy to have like a different project or something to do because I was like, uh, I'm bored. Like there's nothing to do. But I started hanging out with my friend Lexi and we started working out and just hanging out. And I think what shocked me was that I had spent all of my life drinking and partying and like eating like crap when you drank, you know, pizza and everything was covered in cheese when I drank. <laughs> like, like we ate mac and cheese, pizza with cheese, chips and cheese. And then I realized, oh, well, if I quit drinking, like all the weight that I gained from drinking is just going to fall off. And that summer it didn't. And I was like, why isn't this going anywhere? So my friend Lexi and I, we started working out. We both kind of felt like something's not changing here. So then eventually we started doing CrossFit. So I started doing CrossFit and then I started losing weight. And then everyone was like, wow, did you lose all the weight because you stopped drinking? And I was like, no, that was my thought too. I thought I would lose weight when I quit drinking, but I did not. One thing about how to stay sober is you just have to find new passions and new things to do. Her and I would go to the gym because it was open 24-7. Lexi and I would go to the gym at 7 p.m., 8 p.m. and then go grab a meal after the gym and then be home. But it didn't feel like we were just sitting at home on a Friday night doing nothing because we were doing something. It just didn't revolve around drinking. Also, if you were following me in 2022, I had Crafty Mama Murr had its own page, but then I had Mocktails with Miranda. And that page was geared at just being a resource for mocktails, mocktail recipes, things for people to do. So I pulled up all the notes I had from there and I have tips for getting sober, hardest parts of getting sober, and best parts of getting sober. So we will start at tips for getting sober. And the first one is accountability. And like I said, it's either posting, it's calling and telling someone. Calling my Aunt Penny was the best thing I ever did for getting sober because I knew once I said it, she would hold me accountable because I don't want to let Penny down. Um, I knew telling her meant it was real. Yeah, do you feel like um, when you posted that on social media, it it led to less conversations or more times you had to tell people like, hey, I'm sober now. Like, oh, it was so nice. And that that's why I did it because I, I didn't want to have to tell people I got too drunk. I got kicked out of the house I was at. I'm living back with my parents. I don't drink anymore because that conversation had already been ripped off. So it was nice because it didn't feel as shameful because I didn't have to keep reliving that night. I was like, OK, I'm done drinking. And 
Yeah, for me, posting on social media was huge, but it's the biggest thing is find someone who will hold you accountable, whether that is someone, a group of someones, or anyone you know on the internet. (laughs) Um, Another tip is bring your own beverage everywhere you go. And luckily in 2024 and 2023, the Stanley game is very strong. So people already like show up with their own water bottles and Stanleys and cups where you go. But what I realized was people don't care what you're drinking as long as you have something in your hand. So I, when I started going to parties again, I would just like bring my own drinks. And sometimes I would like make some fun mocktails or I would just have my own drink. But no one ever asked me, why aren't you drinking if I was holding a cup or had something in my hand? And so if you feel uncomfortable going somewhere, just have a drink in your hand. My go-to drink at the bar is a ginger beer with some cranberry juice and a lime. It's a Moscow mule without the alcohol, and no one will ever question if you're drinking or not. And I think another thing that annoyed me was how many people thought I was pregnant because they didn't believe I would stop drinking. So then it was like a year or two or three. It was for the, like three years after I said I quit drinking, people would be like, so are you pregnant right now because you're not drinking? And I'm like, I'm not pregnant. I remember, um, also, I think we said this in the last episode, but I am not sober, but Miranda and I, it was during, it was after school, after college, and I was living out in Boston, I came home for Thanksgiving, and Miranda was like, hey, I'll pick you up from the airport, and then let's go out, and that's very much not like me, but I was like, yeah, sure, and so Miranda and I went out, and we drank Red Bulls like (laughs) the whole time and it was so fun I mean you're so fun to be with anyways but like it was so fun like not worrying about drinking or getting too drunk or whatever and just drinking Red Bulls and like having so much energy like it was so fun so like you're so that's so true like as long as you have a drink in hand and like you're having fun like you know I forgot about that night oh I that is one of my favorite memories because I was working at the gym um, part-time then. And I remember one of the guys there was like, we're going to Hoban's tonight. Or he said, he wrote it down. He didn't tell me he wrote it down and he wrote down H-O-B-A-N-S. And I was like, Hoban's, we're looking for Hoban's. I think it's Hobbins, but Kimmy and I were like, Hoban's or where's Hoban's? Where's Hoban's the whole night? And we got to Hoban's and we were standing outside and then they were like, oh, we're at capacity. You can't go here. And so we ended up, I can't remember what bar we went to, but we went and we danced so hard sober and it was so much fun and we met some funny dudes and we we had a fun time dancing and but that's what I like to do now like I I still want to go out and I want to go do something but I don't want to just go out to sit at a bar and drink because I don't drink and so I think it's also having like a purpose or intention when you go out too you and I knew we were going to Hoban's that night and we were gonna go dance and we had so much fun and I remember the next day like getting ready for Thanksgiving, it kind of felt like I was like hungover in a way. Like I was like, we partied last night, but I was like, but we didn't drink. And it was like, it just felt like I was like free and wild again without being drunk and like not remembering my night. Another tip I have for getting sober is find events that do not have any alcohol so you don't have to feel like the oddball out. I know that's like kind of far and few between to find events, but it was like if you want to go to yoga in the park or, you know, a painting night that is at a venue that doesn't provide alcohol. And if you start looking for events that don't automatically provide alcohol there, you will realize there are things out there that do not center around alcohol. 
my friend Megan and I, we started an event called Earring Tacos and Mocktails. And the idea was that it was a fri- it was a way to spend your Friday or Saturday night. And we would provide tacos for everyone and we would make mocktails and we would I would teach them how to make polymer clay earrings and then they all got to make three to five pairs of earrings. And the idea was we wanted to provide an atmosphere that wasn't revolved around drinking, but was like a fun night out. And I taught over a hundred people how to make polymer clay earrings between five different events. And or no, between six different events. And it was so fun. And I remember one time someone like made a comment like, wow, I wish I could like have some alcohol here right now. And I, I called it out and I said, actually, the point of this is that Megan and I are both sober and we want to have alcohol free zones. Like we want to have events that are not catered around alcohol. And um, Megan and I continue to do that when we have markets. We don't have any alcohol vendors or provide alcohol because we want to show you can do things that are fun without alcohol and it doesn't need to be like boring and square. I mean, granted, yeah, I'm going to do like a crochet class or something and that's like kind of grandma status, but to provide spaces or to find spaces like that can be really healing in the process of getting sober. Another tip for getting sober, celebrate the milestones. When I posted I had been three weeks sober, that was a milestone for me. And people were like, good job, Miranda. And maybe it was like the validation. I know I'm a millennial. I'm a no, I know I'm a participation trophy kid era, whatever. But celebrate the milestones. If you make it to one month sober, celebrate one month sober. If you make it to six months, celebrate. And now every year for me, I do a photo shoot with my friend Jenna. She owns Culture Studios Co., but I do a photo shoot just for being sober. And that is like a celebration and a milestone for me. And next summer, I will celebrate seven years sober and do my third photo shoot with her. And every photo shoot, I have a giant bouquet and the girls are there with me. But when we did the first photo shoot for my five years sober, the girls weren't supposed to be there, but plans changed and I had to bring the girls with me. And it was one of my favorite photo shoots. And it is so special to me that I get to look back and say, that was my five-year sober photo shoot. And I had my two beautiful baby girls there with me. And that's why it's so special to me because I get to look back. And then this past year, they were adorable. But celebrate the milestones because it rewards you for something. If you were trying to lose weight and you lost 10 pounds, you would celebrate 10 pounds. And if you get a promotion at work, you're celebrating that milestone. So for me, it's like, why wouldn't celebrating being sober be any different? And it doesn't have to be one year. It can be one week. It can be one month. It can be four months. And to learn to celebrate the little milestones. And maybe I'm just too sentimental of a person. Like I celebrate a lot of milestones and a lot of different things. But I think that has been really helpful too, because it's a reward for yourself for quitting. And then the last tip I have for getting sober is cut out temptations, whether that is people, places, or things. So for me, I've said it, I didn't struggle and I still do not struggle around being around alcohol. I don't struggle around being around people who drink. But if you have a problem being around alcohol, then you have to figure out how you're going to cut out those temptations. If people won't respect that you're not drinking and try to shrub drinks in your face, you have to cut those people out. And honestly, um, I hear a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who tell me like, yeah, I wish I could cut back drinking. Like I want to cut back drinking, but they're hanging out with the same people who drink every single weekend. And that's what they do. And I just want to be like, look, who are you surrounding yourself with? We talked about on the previous episode, you are the company you keep, who you surround yourself with matters. And the people around you are mirrors to what the good things you see in yourself. 
So if you only surround yourself with people who you're trying not to be like, you will never be different. And it's not that you hate them and it's not that you cut them out forever, but if it's temporarily, you draw that boundary and you say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking and I know you guys are drinking and I don't want to make you feel bad. But the problem with this and what I have found with cutting out temptations like this, and most of the time when you cut out a temptation that is a person, is they think that you think you are better than them. And so what I would say to that is I do not think I am better than anyone else because I don't drink, but I know I am the best version of myself. And you, it's not that you're better than someone by cutting yourself out of the picture or t- removing yourself, but you're focused on being your best version of yourself. And if you are internally sitting there struggling with, I don't want to drink as much, look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And luckily for me, that wasn't the case. Like I, I don't really feel like I had to cut anyone out. There were definitely some relationships that just fizzled out because all me and that person or me and that group of people would do would be party. But there was no dramatic like we are no longer friends because I don't drink. And I'm very grateful that my family and friends and support groups accommodated that. So the next part I'm going to talk about is the hardest part about getting sober. So the first one, people being skeptical and egging you on. Like I had said, when I said I quit drinking, I had multiple guys reach out to me and be like, you're not done drinking. I have gone on a few dates with guys who don't understand that I don't drink. And they're like, well, that's not all that happened. What really happened? I was like, no, I just, I got kicked out of a house. It was the most embarrassing thing. And I'm done drinking. And they're like, come on, you wouldn't drink again. Um, there are people who are like, come on, you wouldn't get drunk for me one time. I want to see you drunk. And I'm like, you don't want to see me drunk. (laughs) I will just be more PDA than I already am that. And I was like, you know, I look back and there's probably a reason I wasn't in any serious relationships while I was drinking. If we're being point blank, because I wasn't the relationship type of girl, because I was wanted to party and like, go, go, go. And I was a loose cannon. And like, sometimes that's sad. And that's why when I look back, I'm like, Maybe if I didn't drink as much, I would have had that boyfriend. And I, I talked about it on um, Mr. Six's episode, the one who should have got away, like the guy I dated in college briefly. I called him drunk one night and called him the wrong name on the phone. And he was like, I'm not doing this. And he broke it off with me. And I see relationships that maybe had potential, but I was the one to make sure they didn't because of my drinking. And so when I talk to guys like or I'm dating guys and they ask, why don't you drink? I'm like, can you like bug off? Because I'm like, I didn't drink and I wasn't in a relationship for all of those years. And and so um, it is frustrating. It's frustrating when people egg you on or people like kind of push you or test your limits. Like, why aren't you drinking? Like, come on. But I did have a friend I reached out to or who reached out to me the other day. And she told me she is almost at a certain milestone of time sober. And I had a friend text me the other day and she said, as my 11 months is approaching and the one year mark, the goal I set comes closer, I am really questioning what one year means, a beginning or an end. And I thought about that. I was like, oh, wow, that's like very poetic. Like, are you just going to be sober for a year or is your one year your mark? And the reason I bring that up is because I think sometimes people quit for a year or they say, I'm going to have a dry January or what did you say earlier? Oh, yeah. I had a damp December <laughs> and now I'm having a dry January. <laughs> but like the damp December, it sounds really silly, but it was just like, 
not that I like drink all the time, but it was just like drinking intentionally instead of at like every social situation or, you know, wine night with my best friend. It was just like, okay, like I'm feeling like it this day, but I don't need to drink at this social gathering. So it it was just cut back a lot and more intentional. And that was my dry January, which. And I think goal setting can be so beneficial for that. Like, even if you want to just get sober for a year, a month, a week, or cut something out, it's, it's a goal. And it's just really hard when people are skeptical of those goals or egging you on or wondering when the end is. And um, for me, I feel like people still to this day are like, when is the end? And I also think <sighs> mom culture, as far as like, mommy needs a glass of wine, mommy's juice, I need a glass of wine at the end of the day is so toxic. Like, when I go to Target and walk through and how many things are centered around moms and wine, that that is the only way we can release and relax at the end of the day after chasing around our crazy squirrels is a very unhealthy thing that I think people sometimes are like, well, you know, you have kids. How are you not drinking? And I it's 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 hard. I think also, you know, with you specifically, I think it's interesting because you like to test your discipline, I think. Like, I think before you went sober, but correct me if I'm wrong, you also went vegetarian. (laughs) You also went maybe vegan. I I can't remember. But like (laughs) you, I feel like you really like to test your discipline and like push yourself. So I wonder if people were thinking about that when you posted this too. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they should be egging you on or anything. Right. Yeah, I was a vegetarian for two years. Um, It was a one-year bet with Josie, and we both bet each other. I bet you can't be a vegetarian for a year, and we both did it. So we're like, well, now what? And then in college, two of my buddies said, I bet you couldn't be vegan for a month. And you know what I did? I said, for one month, I will be completely vegan, and then afterwards, you're going to buy me a pizza. (laughs) And they did, and I did it, and I was vegan for a month. But yeah, I definitely am like the most competitive person, and even if it's a competition with myself, and sometimes that's what I need to be motivated. Another point for the hardest part of getting sober is, and I kind of touched on this, was the constant pressure from society to have a drink if it's been a long day. So touching on this mom culture that... Or you need to get home and have a beer. Like, let me get home and have a drink or have a beer. And um, I can't remember what the message was, but when I was attending Eagle Brook Church, I remember they had a really good message about if your first thing you go to when you're stressed is a drink, what is that showing for the people around you? Can you only handle hard times and stressful times if you have a drink of alcohol? And what does that tell your children? And it just, and that was after I had gotten sober, but it put it into a different perspective to me that if I can't deal with it, this cup of alcohol is not going to fix it either. But our society is like, yeah, can't wait to go have a beer. Like even hold on, sip. of my water, <laughs> but just like the idea that you need something like that to relax. And that's the only way you can get out. It's, it's not a good look for us. And it's the U.S. completely. I remember being in Europe and um, going to Japan and just different places around the world. One, they're not nearly as as stressed as we are, I feel, but they drink alcohol in such a different way. It's more like, we're going to have a good wine that pairs with this meal, or we're going to go here, or we're going to drink this to celebrate this, but it's not like, I'm stressed, I need a drink. And of course, everyone, everywhere there's alcohol abuse, but um, that has been my experience. Another point was imagining weddings, vacations, and concerts without alcohol. And the morning I decided to quit drinking, that's what I was crying about. I said, what am I going to do at my wedding? 
what am I going to do on vacation and what am I going to do at concerts? And then I realized, what's the purpose of all those things? The purpose of going to a concert is not to drink. The purpose of going on vacation is not to drink. And I just realized I had a different mindset because when I was on vacation mode, it was party mode. And when it was party mode, I was drinking mode. Or when I was going to a wedding, there would be free alcohol. So I would drink and I would dance and I would have a good time. And since then, it's wildly been shifted, but I still love all three of those things. I love going to weddings. I love going on vacation and I love going to concerts. I mean, you and I went to MGK and Avril Lavigne and that was such a fun concert. So fun. And, and, but we weren't drinking and it's, I go to concerts and have the best time and you don't have to drink. And sometimes I wish I would have told myself that as younger, although I wasn't really at the age of going to concerts and drinking because I quit drinking at 22. So really the window of like public drinking and events wasn't a thing for me. But even weddings, like I am still on that dance floor at all weddings. And if you invite me to your wedding, my obligation as a friend to you is to keep that dance floor alive. And I promise you, I will uphold my obligations. Like that's my duty as a friend to be on that dance floor. And vacations look a little differently now, but I went to Mexico in 2016 with my mom, dad, and brothers. And then I went to Mexico in 2022 with just my mom and I. And the relaxation I had on that 2022 trip could not compare. Like that, it was such a fun trip. Like every day I woke up, I would go have breakfast. I would go snorkel for like an hour or two. I would walk the beach. I would go read my book, have lunch, go take an afternoon nap go to dinner, watch the movie they would project on the poolside, which is always a Disney movie. So I'd go watch like Encanto with all the kids. And I was in bed every night by 930. I read two books, which were like 700 pages in five days. And it was so relaxing. We did one day where we went to the cenotes and we did, um, you know, some excursions. But I look back and that was so much fun to me and just so relaxing. So it might not be like me downtown Cabo like partying or, you know, going to, I think the bar was called La Vaca or the cow or something. It was something with vodka in it, V-A-C-A. But I still look forward to vacations and it's been fun to look at traveling and concerts and weddings through a different lens. Although it is hard, you do get through and you figure out what your groove is and you make it work. If, if it's too much to go to a wedding and to be around it, you might only stay for the dinner and then head out. Or if it's too much to go to a concert and to be around alcohol, then maybe you just find a different interest or you find something new. But for me, imagining those three things was the hardest part about getting sober because I, they were so ingrained into those experiences. So I had to shift the framework of what those experiences were actually about. Were they about drinking or were they about dancing and relaxing and doing things and creating memories? Your thoughts are your reality. Yep, your thoughts are your reality. Exactly. Um, And the last point I have about the hardest part of getting sober is feeling like you're missing out on the fun every time you see pictures or people post something. Because I remember sitting in at 22 years old, Friday and Saturday night with my parents and my dog, like up at the cabin. And it was just my mom, dad, me and my dog. And I was like, look at them. They're all going out and they're having fun. And you just see the pictures. But I mean, now at 29, I don't feel like that's as big of a problem. But at 22, it was really hard to see people snap stories about like going out. And especially because I was working for the NBA and WNBA when I decided to quit, seeing all the people like go out and like, oh, we met so-and-so last night or we were with this person last night. 
and feeling that FOMO, but also like, hey, I still have a job, so this is good. So, and the third part of this episode is the best parts of getting sober, which I could make an entire series about the best parts of my life that have happened since getting sober. But here are five bullet points. Being able to drive myself, my kids, or my friends wherever I need to, whenever I need to, and whenever I want to. And there is so much freedom with being able to drive. And going to parties, I will still go to parties. And if it's not my vibe or I don't want to be there, I can just get in my car and go. I don't have to worry about calling an Uber. I don't have to worry about seeing if my ride is ready to go. I am my ride. Also, it means I'm not getting myself stuck in bad scenarios or with around people I shouldn't be around. And it just means I don't have to be around people if I don't want to. And it gives you more freedom. It's not like, why are you calling an Uber? Or if your phone dies, you can't get a ride out of there. Or if there's no Uber in those areas, etc. But the biggest part is a security thing for me that if my daughters ever need me to, I can bring them to the hospital. If we ever need to leave, I can get us out of there safely. And I also knew like I could be around my kids at any stage of who I was. And it wasn't like, okay, wait, I can't have my kids see me this way. Or like, I don't want to like get drunk and like, you know, not hurt them by any means. Cause I was never, like I said, I was a lover <laughs> when I was drunk. I was not a fighter. Like PDA was my thing. Fighting was not. But I know that like, even when I had like, when the kids, when the girls were young, like co-sleeping with them, it didn't concern me having them sleep in my bed because I would, I knew I was never going to be drunk and roll over on them, which unfortunately is what happens to a majority of children who pass away from co-sleeping is that a parent is under the influence and will roll over on top of them. And it's, it's horrible. It's super tragic, but like, I know I don't have that risk and that's a security thing for me. I've also had six and a half years of not having to ask someone what happened last night. I have had six and a half years of having my full memory of the night before, even though sometimes I can't remember, but that's just my brain. Sometimes I'm like, wait, what? What did we say? But it wasn't because I wasn't there. Like, it was just I couldn't remember a detail. But it has been so nice. And like, I feel like my pride has come back. And like, you know, my ego hasn't been hurt as much because I haven't said things that I didn't want to say. I haven't called people I didn't want to call. I haven't drunk texted. And honestly, thank God I'm still sober because. Could you imagine any drunk calls I would make right now? Like, I just like don't I'm, I'm so I like get afraid of even sleep talking or like sl- I've sleep texted. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? No. Oh, I used to sleep text so badly that like people would like catch me in a certain state of sleep and I would respond back to them. And I remember one time in high school, my friend texted me, can you braid my hair tomorrow? And I said yes. And then I woke up in the morning and um, I saw her and she's like, OK, can you braid my hair? Or she's like, I'm ready for you to braid my hair. I was like, okay. And she's like, why the fuck are you looking at me that way? You said you would do it. And I look back at my messages and I texted her yes. And I knew I was sleeping at that point. And I, like wow. that, that was outside of drinking. That's yeah. just like who me. I literally never stopped talking or thinking or whatnot. Yeah. But I, I like even get afraid right now. I would sleep text or sleep call someone. Mm. And like, it's been nice being able to remove that uncertainty without drinking. Another one is not putting myself in questionable situations. I could also talk a lot about different situations I got myself in that I probably shouldn't have been with that person or been at that place or didn't have a ride. And I remember one time I had to call my buddy and he had to come get me at 5 a.m. on one side of the St. Cloud and bring me back to St. Ben's. And I was just, it was 
it sucked. I, I just started walking home because I was like, I'll figure it out. And then thank God he answered at five. I'm like, can you go get me? He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm by the McDonald's on Highway 10. He's like, Miranda, what the hell are you doing over here? I'm like, but it was because I didn't want to be in that situation, but I couldn't get, get out because blah, blah, blah. We didn't have Uber in college. So for anyone who's like, why didn't you just Uber? We didn't have Uber. That might age myself. Another thing is I'll never say anything dumb drunk that could lose me a job or a relationship. Will I say something dumb sober? A hundred percent. I am human, but I don't have to worry about saying something drunk that is going to affect relationships, which is a big part for me because there were a lot of nights there where I would lose hours and hours of the night and I didn't know what I was saying, or I would just say really dumb things too. Um, And so I'm really glad that I don't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, I already get anxiety enough about what did I say? How are they going to take it? And that's sober. And the last best part of getting sober is that I am the best mother, sister, friend, and daughter, and no one can convince me otherwise. I am the best version of me sober. And I don't think too many people miss Miranda drinking. Like, I mean, I, like you said earlier, I'm still fun. Like I will still go out and dance. I still will go out and do things, but I think you're more fun. I thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, and I do too. You know, for me, I think I'm the best version of myself without drinking. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, I don't ever see myself going back to drinking ever. I sometimes I even think back and I don't even know who that person really is because it's been six and a half years. And granted, you grow a lot in six and a half years anyway, but you really grow a lot if you have six and a half years of like sobriety under you too. So that was how I got sober and tips for getting sober. The next episode, we are going to talk about how to love someone who's sober, whether that is romantically or friendship, relationship, coworkers, etc. So, Kimmy, thanks for being here. Do you have anything to say before we wrap up this one? No, thanks for having me. Yeah, so thank you for listening to Crafty Mama Murr, a podcast for all things crafting, mom life, and Miranda. Find me on any social media as Crafty Mama Murr and follow along for more parts. Bye! Mama, mama. Mama. Crafty Mama Mark. I love you, Mom.